I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. We acknowledge the traditional owners of country throughout Australia and recognize their continuing connection to land, waters, and culture. We pay our respects to their elders past, present, and emerging. Welcome back to another episode of This Song Is Yours, your go-to destination for all things music in 2024. I'm Simon Fink, your trusty host, and today we've got a real treat lined up for you. Joining us on the podcast is the sensational UK indie rock band Everything Everything. They're making waves once again with their mesmerising new record, Mountainhead. And we've got frontman Jonathan Higgs here to spill the beans on all things album-related. Now, in today's episode, we'll be delving into the depths of Mountainhead, exploring the unique concepts and perspectives that inspired the record, and marvelling at the breathtaking soundscapes that define it. Plus, we'll also be diving deep into one of the album's standout tracks, Cold Reactor, uncovering its origins and unravelling its mysteries. That is not all. We've also got the inside scoop on Everything Everything's plans for an Australian tour. Now... I must confess, we recorded this episode with Jonathan around Christmas time last year, so details were still being ironed out at the time. However, I'm thrilled to announce that they've since confirmed a co-headline tour with The Vaccines, which kicks off in May. A huge thank you to Peter for helping us make this interview happen. And hey, please make sure to check out the show notes for all the juicy details on how to snag tickets to their upcoming Australian tour and where to get your hands on the record. While you're there, don't forget to follow and subscribe to this very podcast for more music goodness. So let's get into it. Here is our conversation with Jonathan Higgs of Everything Everything. Please welcome to This Song Is Yours from the band Everything Everything, Jonathan Higgs. Jonathan, hello. How are you doing? Hello. I'm good. Hi. (laughs) Thank you very much for your time today. It is very much appreciated. I know that there's plenty going on with the band at the moment. So, yeah, I do greatly appreciate your time. No worries. Happy to be here. (laughs) With um, With the release of each album, I know that I think this is Everything Everything's seventh studio record if I'm it correct. is yeah yeah it is how is the the run-up to i guess the promo cycle how do you guys get when it does come time to release a brand new record are there still nerves or is it something that you've kind of gotten used to as the years have gone by um we've got used to it to the point where um that's the only thing that ever happens. <laughs> like I, I, I can't wait for it every time it comes around because I'm twiddling my thumbs a lot of the rest of the time. There's all the the writing and the all that stuff and the recording. And as soon as that's done, there's this big gap where uh, we announce it and it has to get pressed to vinyl, which takes ages. And we're just sort of sat here going, uh, "Now what?" We don't really feel like we're a band during this period. Um, 
so yeah i can't i can't get enough of it i wish we could do it every year <laughs> well i know um the band and especially yourself a very hands-on kind of with some of the other stuff as well i believe yeah um I'm trying to just, I, I, in my research, I know that there was probably at least, I want to say more than seven, maybe even more than 10 music videos that you've directed for the band. There's, there's, I think there's two or three that I haven't directed. So it's more like 30 or something that I have done. Yeah. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Like, do you find that that kind of helps occupy some of that time and still allows you to kind of stay within the project? It does. It does. This record differs in that we shot five videos on the same day right (laughs) so that was a very good little session but then it was kind of like okay now what (laughs) um we wouldn't we wouldn't usually do that obviously no one would because it's insane actually i think cliff richard did it recently because he's old but we didn't do it for that reason um we uh we thought it would be a, a good challenge and a way to shake ourselves up a bit um, the most the recent couple of albums have been a very much me twiddling with things like AI and uh, graphics and we, we all wanted a sort of return to putting us in front of the camera um, using props and makeup and all that kind of stuff um, get back to our roots a bit because we, we're quite good at that innovating with no budget type stuff and we all enjoy it um, so we were getting up at dawn and climbing mountains and uh, dressing up and all sorts for these. But we did. We decided to do them all on the same day, which was insane. That is a very, um, very courageous kind of feat, I want to say. And yeah, as mm. you mentioned, I think Cl- Sir Cliffs is probably a time time issue thing of wanting to <laughs> yeah. make sure that. <laughs> yeah, I don't think he can dance for long. <laughs> Um, the record that we are talking about is um, Mountainhead. It is coming out this week um, and it is such a brilliant record, I have to say. So congratulations on Thanks. this as well. Because, Thanks a lot. Yeah, such a delight to listen to. Great. That's good to hear. With a record like this, I don't. I feel like the, the language that I have to use with this next question is kind of, um, I have to put it in such a particular way because I feel like it's not a concept record, but there is a concept to kind of what has inspired these songs or kind of what the songs are about. And um, I'm probably going to do a very poor job in kind of trying to summarise this, so please uh, be kind and I apologise. It's it's extremely <laughs> simple. There is there is not much, uh, not many ways to go wrong with it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to, I'll give it a shot. It was that um, I guess in a world that kind of looks at growth and excess as as such a positive thing when there's no limit that then that kind of means that there's really no return or no payoff at the end yeah it's um it's a sort of monolithic uh idea in as much as everybody is wants to keep growing and keep growing there is no there's no subtlety to it it's just let's build this literally build this mountain as big as we can go um but it also struck me at the same time that the only way to make a mountain is to keep digging stuff to put mm. in, to put in this pile, and it means <laughs> that everybody ends up underground in the dark, which is how I feel. Life is increasingly going in that direction. Um, we're becoming more isolated and staying in our homes, and it felt like a perfect mirror 
we're striving to get to to expand but at the same time we're sort of closing ourselves in um and Mm -hmm. and everything kind of came from that core metaphor of the society that wants to build a mountain and all the things that come with it so you have it's almost like a religion and you have certain factions that that believe in the mountain and want to encourage everyone to do it and you have people who are breaking away from it saying why are we doing this um what is the mountain even for why we 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 never get (laughs) we never get to climb it ourselves um we we don't know what's at the top what what could even be at the top that's worth this um so it's kind of stories from a world where that is is occurring which is our world but you (laughs) know it's a sort of sidestep it's not like a crazy um imaginary world it's basically our world but with the satire turned up quite quite strongly 100 percent. i think that um some of these songs do touch on things that i don't think are totally out of reach or out of the the concept of reality as you kind of said it's this thing that it is our own world and that there are elements of it that are slightly exaggerated but some that are probably almost pretty spot on <laughs> yeah yeah that's the uh strange thing you come come into contact with when you're trying to write songs about everyone and everything Mm. um pretty soon you you realize that there's nothing much you can say that isn't um just about feasible and believable especially in the last i don't know eight years things have happened that are unprecedented um particularly in political world and and just things like having a global pandemic it's just it hasn't happened for a hundred years you know so many things seem possible that were um, sort of comfortably impossible for most of my life and then suddenly they're all on the table now. So writing fantastical songs about this world, it, it's quite easy <laughs> because this world <laughs> is, is insane. It's completely insane now. Well, that's kind of where I was going to direct the conversation and it's, and it's interesting that you kind of say that it's easy because I... I imagine that it does take a certain kind of um, balancing act to write songs about something like that because it can be, um, I imagine that there are points, and, and please correct me if I'm wrong, but there are points where you might look at it and be like, oh, great, and it's just kind of despair in a three-minute, four-minute pop song, avant-garde pop song. How do you balance that? Yeah, well, I feel like we we did the despair songs. Um, we've made seven albums and I've grown from a what twenty-four year old to a nearly forty year old, and the, my perspective has obviously shifted in that time. Um, I think when we first appeared, yeah, we were talking about hell on earth and despair. And little did we know, we actually things were actually kind of okay then, <laughs> and uh, things got considerably worse around twenty thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, and they've just—it's never really the ship's never really righted itself in terms of just the general feeling in all around me sorry to quote one of my own songs there um (laughs) it's been very uh it's been very strange as Mm. you would agree like it's it's, everything has gone fucking mental um (laughs) sorry i've got i've completely gone off the question here how do you approach writing those songs and finding that balance oh yeah well it's it's more a question of of trying not to just reproduce reality because it's too it, it 
when we first started writing songs, I would be looking at conspiracies and and talking about these people on the internet who seemingly no one knows about and and dark forces and all this stuff. Not actual conspiracy, but but more like talking about the the growth of people who are believing conspiracy. Mm-hmm. Um, just as just as one example, and that's become so incredibly mainstream now that you have prime ministers and and presidents who are backing up actual conspiracy or you have someone like Elon Musk who's incredibly powerful just idly feeding it you know and Mm -hmm. that that was there was a time when uh you could sort of trust the majority of the things that you saw in a day and now it, it like I don't really trust anything and it, those the things that I do trust are are shrinking, and there's doubt about all types of information, and all types of opinion are. One minute there, it seems okay, and then the next you're like, I'm not actually sure. It's mm-hmm. like uh, the, the the things that were strange when we started a band are so incredibly commonplace now that. Um, <laughs> I have to sort of move my targets a bit. It, it feels mm-hmm. like everyone talks about this now. Everyone, everyone's. Uh, people say, "Why don't you make another political record?" And I think, well, the idea of adding yet another opin- half-baked opinion, might I add, uh, on the same shit that everyone is talking about um, into the mix and putting a beat behind it just fills me with so much like boredom you know there's nothing there's it's 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 i want to get away from politics if anything um or find a new way of talking about it because it's also scrambled and it's also noisy and it's also like saturated and and overblown and and relentless that i just want to kind of escape from it when i experience art or make art basically 100 percent. i think um just to add to what you're saying as well, I think that the one incredible thing that everything, everything has always done um, to the best of my knowledge and to the best of kind of from an outsider's perspective is that you guys have always done well in um, subverting kind of the expectations of what you're writing about both lyrically and sonically. And so I think that if there's the expectation that you're going to write something that's political, then it's kind of, you're not feeding into what exactly. people expect yeah. you to do, but yeah. yeah, it's a yeah. Who wants to hear yet another song that sort of lightly bruises the Tories for another for another <laughs> round? It's like I just don't care. I don't give a shit. I'd rather as soon as as soon as things started to become more hotly discussed, my my mind immediately switched to right. Well, I'm going. I want to sing about human relationships and life on Earth. You know, mm-hmm. and then when that when the it quietens down. I'm like, okay, have you noticed uh, what what these uh, incels are talking about or whatever? I don't feel uh, <laughs> compelled, certainly. I don't feel interested. I see politics all day and all night, and I don't just mean what happens in the Houses of Parliament. I just mean ideologies mm. bumping up against each other on, on the internet at all hours of the day, at, at high volume and and sort of not not an advanced way of debating as well to put it mildly um, and that's <laughs> happening that's happening you know right now in my pocket 
to a to a degree that I could never read in my entire life if I just took one day's worth of it. Mm. It is, it is yes. <laughs> the way that you've just put it, then it is kind of a very interesting <laughs> thought to kind of comprehend and yeah, <laughs> and not get too bogged down on it. Like, what people do get um, bogged down in, people get completely swamped by it, and they get completely. Um, trapped by it and they get trapped in it and i feel like i used to be like that um i don't know when now a long time ago but on the internet i would argue and i would um put the caps lock on you know and that's just <laughs> I, completely pointless and he's that that's only increased more and more as more people have come online and more people have congregated um, not to mention the amount of noise there is from artificial bots and and people who are trying to troll and all the rest of it, trying to seed ideas that aren't true or they're trying to rage bait, the amount of rage bait mm. you find now. People that just want engagement of any kind and it's all negative. Sorry, I'm just ranting yeah. now about the, the state <laughs> of the internet. <laughs> <laughs> Look, there is nothing wrong with that at all. And I think that um, a lot of what you're saying, I think a lot of people would agree with. I know agree. Uh, sorry, I know I agree with quite a lot of what you've said already. Mm-hmm. Um, I would love to kind of know, because I imagine that your songwriting may not have always been like this. I know that you started playing music in high school, I think, with some of the guys from the band. Do you yep. remember your um, your first initial attraction to songwriting and what kind of got you interested in making music and, and lyric writing? Well, I mean, I think everyone likes me. Well, most people like music. Um, and it was realizing that it was possible. I think I just picked up my friend's guitar um, and just played the bottom string, um, as you do. And I realized that I had made these changes happen in the music that I was hearing and immediately just wrote a crappy little melody over the top with really stupid words that I will never repeat. Um, <laughs> but it was it was just the act of, of creation. It's like, that's what's attractive about it, is the fact that there wasn't a thing and then there is a thing. Um, but that's true of... I really like creating stuff. I like making animation and video and drawing and painting and photoshopping things. And making music and writing lyrics is kind of the. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. One of the most mysterious of all the uh, 
things you can make. I, I always come back to the mystery of it. When you draw a picture, it's you're kind of recreating something from reality, or not. Mm-hmm. But you know, you make a film and it's you're you're recreating something that's could happen, would happen. When you're making music, you're making this thing that is seemingly meaningless. It's it's notes, which we've decided what notes even are. Mm. And you're putting them in a putting them in a pattern and feeling pleasure when it the pattern does what you expect and does what you don't expect. And then you're putting rhythm into it, which also doesn't seemingly have a you know, what that what is rhythm? What's it for? What does it do? <laughs> it's nothing. Like it isn't a thing. Um and I think that the mystery of music of like what what is it is makes it the most compelling and the most powerful art form for me. One hundred percent. It's um it's something that I think as these um albums have continued to come out from the band and I want to talk about um Mountainhead and one of the singles that's come out because this track um, we were very lucky enough to have a listen to the record before it has come out, so thank you very much for that. Um, I know that this single is out at the moment. Cold Reactor, mm. just that song is, um, anyone who's listened to this podcast episode, please go and listen to this record, Mountainhead, and put some good headphones on because I found that this track, the the multiple layers of this song and how it kind of builds and how you've sonically structured it I think is really fascinating because it's not just um I think just then when you were talking about like creating music for the first time it's chords and it's putting things on top this is a lot of moving parts at once and I want to kind of know for you and and the uh the rest of the band like how that goes from an idea of a song in your head to the finished version like how do you build a song like that that has so many different moving cogs and functions in it um well that song it's got a pretty simple chord sequence for the majority of it. And I wrote originally, um, it was like verse, bridge, chorus, verse, bridge, chorus, chorus. And I thought, right, the, the whole song is in this sort of uh, crescendo to that moment. Mm-hmm. Um, especially the double chorus, you're feeling like, whoa, hang on, they're not stopping. And I got there and I thought I could just end the song bam like that like you've just someone's broken in your house and shot you with a shotgun <laughs> um but they've moved to sl- move towards you in a sort of crescendo um and then i brought it to the band and, and alex is the other like primary songwriter in the band and i said alex what what would you do here um do you want to write like a ripping solo over this or, or should we have it just cut to just drums or just should it get really heavy and he took it away and when he came back it, he'd written this uh sort of melancholy synth stretch of time which wasn't it wasn't like really up and it certainly wasn't down it was kind of this it changed the mood of it completely um and it, and he'd also written this string part that that slowly rose over the over the crescendo so it had this more like springsteeny come on everybody feel that I'd written but then he'd made the all this sadness um and this kind of plaintiff outro which really changed the mood of it and made it into a much more sort of mature um retrospective type vibe um which I think is part of the magic of it it, it isn't just 
a sort of punky pop song. It's got that, and then you sort of get this thoughtful ending, and you get this mm. intricate, intricate layering and, and stepping up to it all the way through. So I think that's probably what what happened was that it was a collaboration. I think if left to my own devices, I probably would have doubled down on that crescendo feeling and just made like a kind of outro, and and mm-hmm. he stepped back and did something different. So. What I did was I collaborated. <laughs> um, but really, it's, it's it's pretty simple in terms of the parts. Um, the bass line's virtually the same throughout. The drums don't don't change much. Um, but there's a lot going on in the vocal, and I th- I think it's taken us a long time, taken me a long time to uh, allow things like a complex vocal with lots of lyrics its own space. When we first started the band, I probably would have had a vocal like Cold Reactor and then I would have put an insane drum part behind it, an insane guitar part behind it, an insane synth line all at once and just expected people to sort of consume that at once <laughs> and, and go, yeah, that's 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 normal. Um, and while there is a place for that in my heart and there are listeners for that, um, I feel more like a lyric a, vi- a vocal like that deserves its own room for people to mm. to take it in rather than just complete bamboozlement or if you want to have the complex music maybe the singer can go away for a bit you know i i believe in much more in sort of highlighting rather than just splurging uh parts all at once also i think it's harder to to construct something like that than than just splurge it's actually quite easy to splurge a load of you play the fastest hardest thing you can do so do you do it so do you do it <laughs> and it's it's this kind of a uh, approach where you you're not really thinking about the the music you're just thinking about the individuals doing the best most weird thing they can um and it's not a collective as much i think 100 percent. i feel like it's almost um like an exercise in restraint almost if you can it is it is we've always we've been trying to do that since our second album we've been talking about how to play less how to restrain ourselves how to just have a bit more respect for arrangement rather than the opposite the the pollock approach (laughs) (laughs) again as you said there are there are times for that and there are audiences for that but um yeah there are when when executed as as beautifully as it is on this record, um, I think it's it's you've done very well for for Mountainhead. I think it has been uh, not on just this track, but on on quite a few of the tracks as well. I'm curious to know, um, I guess now turning them into uh, the I guess the live setting for these tracks this is how do you translate these kind of songs into the live setting and have them have that same impact? Good question. Um, we're recording this uh, at the end of December. So in reality, we've only played one of these songs live um, ever <laughs> at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll find out um, in a couple of months how we're going to do some of these songs. There, there, did, there was a time early on in our career where we, we had to decide whether we were going to try and make albums that we can play live, you know, full stop, or we're yeah. going to make albums that we that we want to make and we decided a long time ago to make the latter and then we'll we'll, we'll work it out we'll work out how we do Reverse this live engineer yeah. yeah exactly um 
and this is no different. I think there's a there's a good backbone of of real things happening. Um, sometimes we can have a track and it's just a drum machine and a synth, you know, and we don't even have a, seat, a synth player in the band. <laughs> and uh, we've got a drummer and a bass player sat there going, uh, but no, there's there's lots of, of, of playing on this, so that's good. Um, and we have a very talented session musician who we've been working with for years who takes apart our tracks and says, right, well, this will work if John plays this, Alex, you need to play this. <laughs> I can play this on the keys. We can put this little sound on the track because no one's, we can't have that sound from reality, etc. <laughs> and then we've got, Mike's got lots of electronic drums for weird stuff. So we'll get there. But um, we did, we did try and make sure there was lots of, of basically real bands in the room sound on this album. Mm-hmm. Look, I'm sure that when, um, when you do go out on tour, it is going to be a treat for fans. I know that, I think there's been a handful of dates. As you said, we are currently in the, the middle of December while we're recording this. Um, I know that there's a been, there has been, I think, a handful of dates for the UK announced. Um, look, I might be getting too ahead of myself. We are based in Australia. Can at some point maybe this album cycle we expect to see you uh, down here? This is the one with the highest chance. I'll say that much. Um, there, I'll uh, to, take okay, <laughs> there, there is there is a penciled in Aussie Aussie tour right now in December. It could have already been announced by the time this goes out, or you might never hear anything of it ever again. <laughs> if those shows have been announced, we will make sure that they are put alongside the podcast episode and promote out with that. Great. Um, and as you said, if nothing has come of it, we will. Um, we will just kind of leave it in the ether. We will apologise once again because yes. we'd love to come down there. We'd love to come down there. It's just a question of making it work. We we really want to. We want to play everywhere in the world, but Australia. We know we've got a lot of people that want us to come out there, and we love it. You guys do have quite a, um, a fervent fan base here, even in the lead up to um, today's interview. I think I mentioned it to about two or three different people from separate kind of groups or genres or music categories, whatever you want to call it. And they were very excited just to hear that there was a, a new record coming. So um, I know that it will be well received when you guys and when and where you do come back down here. So very excited to hear that. Um, Jonathan, we usually ask, I guess, what they're currently listening to. Is there anything at the moment that's kind of um, high rotation for yourself? Um, I actually been listening to Paul Simon's record from about 1989. I can't remember what it's called. It's got a song called Obvious Child on it. Um, it's kind of not quite as good as Graceland, but quite similar. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> there's only so many times you can listen to Graceland before you get depressed that you'll never write anything as good as this. So I've been trying to listen to slightly less good Paul Simon um, for some inspiration. I absolutely love him. I was, I was lying in bed this morning just thinking uh, he's one of the last great uh, songwriters from that era mm. that we've still got. Um, yeah, absolutely love Paul Simon's lyrics and, and songs. I think he's great. I did see somewhere recently, as, as we've said, it's the end of December, so there's lots of year-end lists kind of coming out. I think I'm, I might have missed it. Did he release a new record this year, which seems to be getting quite a lot of press? Um, he, I don't know. I think he did around... 2021-ish, but he may have done, mm-hmm. done one this year. I wasn't, I haven't heard it. I haven't heard it, but I'm about to look right now. 
<laughs> well, what fans can do after they listen to our chat and they've checked out Mountainhead, they can go check out some Paul Simon as well. Yes, please but, do that. Um, <laughs> until that time, um, Jonathan, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast. I do appreciate it. Thanks for having me. My absolute pleasure. Congrats on Mountainhead. Uh, the album is out this week when people are hearing this. But uh, yeah, thank you again for your time. Thanks for having me. Sorry for ranting. <laughs> Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.